Well, good morning, friends. It's a joy to welcome you today. If we have not met, my name is David. I serve as a senior pastor here. And if you've brought your Bible with you today, I want to encourage you to open that to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, you can find John chapter 15 on page uh, 1677 in the uh, uh, blue Bibles that we have available for you uh, here in all of our worship spaces. Uh, we are celebrating the beginning of a brand new year. We're doing so uh, with this idea in mind that when we think about the rhythm of our lives. For many of us, a new year begins uh, with the beginning of a new school year rather than the calendar year. Uh, and for some of us, that's because that's, uh, that, that's where our family, uh, that's what our family relates to, kids going back to school, the activities that they're going to be a part of. But for many of us, it's just because that's the way uh, our life goes as we share life together. We, we organize ourselves around uh, the school year rather than the calendar year. And our hope is, over the course of these four weeks, is to help everyone in our church start a new year well, uh, to, to move forward where tomorrow might be different than today. And, and we started last week by talking about that for many of us, that what, what opens that up for us is not what we assume it would be. Most of us begin with this idea, well, I just got to do more. I got to figure out how to do more. I got to work harder. I got to add some things to my life. There's some, something better you want to experience in your life and you assume, well, it's got to be about more stuff. Uh, but, but in actuality, often what makes tomorrow different than today is not more but less. It's in the crowdedness of our life having the courage to make a better choice about what really matters in our life, to make some decisions, uh, to choose some things that must remain as priorities, as essential things in your life, and to make some choices about some things you might need to leave behind. Uh, because in the midst of so many things, it's hard to choose. It's hard to choose the better thing. And so last week we gave you permanent markers and encourage you to go home and to think about, to prayerfully consider what is the, the most important thing for you as you begin a new year? What's the focus? What's the thing you must hold on to, to write it in permanent ink and claim it as the focus that you, is gonna guide you as you move into a new year? And, and we said kind of behind all of this, the challenge that's common to us all is that we are tempted to believe in the lie of the unlimited life. The idea that there will always be enough time, there's always going to be enough space, you will be able to do everything that you want to do, achieve everything that you want to achieve, that somehow you'll be able to squeeze all of it in in this never-ending journey that we call life. And yet life isn't like that. We looked at Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days, the psalmist says that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, Lord, help me to know the limit of my life so that I don't make the mistake of wasting my life. And that thought reminded me of a video I'm gonna share with you in just a moment. Uh, guys, you may have seen that we have another Guys Night Out coming up. We do those four times a year. The whole idea behind Guys Night Out is this. We wanna eat good, okay? So we provide really good food for guys because guys like to eat. We get together, we have a great meal, and we bring in someone to simply talk about how they live out their faith. Not a pastor, not someone who does that in the professional sense, but someone who out of their own life, whatever that might be, uh, seeks to live live right and, and lead well and come and share with the men of our church what that looks like. Uh, we've got one a couple weeks, it's gonna be great, but what I'm gonna show you is the video from our very first speaker that we had at, at our first guy's night out. And, and just a brief introduction, uh, this is a guy who's a committed Christian, he owns a business, and part of what he likes to do in, in the context of his business is he uses humor and, and the mutual love he has with, with customers for the product that his company makes, he, he 
he uses those two things just to share about his Christian faith and invite people from all walks of life, all different perspectives to simply think about what it is that really matters in life. So, uh, so I hope you enjoy this, uh, this perspective on, on what really matters. Let me show you this video. Hey, Dave here with Saddleback Leather. I'm in my coffin. <laughs> Bob, you're killing me. I needed this report yesterday. Now I'm gonna have to stay late and do it myself and miss my 20th anniversary and my daughter's wedding. Thanks a lot, Bob. What you just saw me reenact was an example of poor work-life balance, or should we say work-death balance. Did you know the death rate here in Texas is 100%? Man, so I got to thinking, I gotta get ahead of this thing. So I went around looking for a coffin, couldn't find anything I liked, so I designed my own. You know, everyone's gonna need one of these sooner or later, so you might as well get it sooner. And here's the advantage. You get to live life looking at this thing all the time. For example, my pockets here. What I want is for these pockets to be filled with letters that say, hey Dave, just wanna thank you for pouring into my life, for helping me out, for being a difference in my life, instead of, Hey Dave, you existed. Hmm. Or even worse, forever to have in your coffin. Hey, glad you're gone. About time. So I designed this thing with six handles so that I would remind myself to be a good enough guy that I had six people who wanted to come to my funeral to carry the thing. And then my wife wouldn't have to hire day laborers to carry it instead. So don't get me wrong here, I really love my job at Saddleback Leather. In fact, I was designed to do this. I feel like I'm really you know, created to work. But also, you know, I was, I was designed and created to, to be in relationship too, and so were you. So I want to encourage everyone to be thinking about that, what's important in life, and having a good work-death balance. Because when you die, that's when life really begins, and then that whole work-life balance kicks in. Uh, you just got preached at. Well, anyway, uh, I think everyone should have a coffin. You need to go out and get yourself a coffin, put it there in your office, and then come coffin old clock. You look at there and you go, time to go home. I got family and chitlins to go hang out with and do the most important things. What we're really talking about here is time management. Now, you can get fancy phone apps. You can go to expensive seminars, but I'm a little old fashioned. And what I found is keeping a giant leather coffin in my office works for me. And check this out. Coffin table. Teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's hard to choose the better things when there are too many things. In the crowdedness of life, it is so easy to miss what is the most important thing in life. Which raises this question, what is the most important thing in your life? What is that? What is the most important thing in your life? And I want you to think about that question. Just allow that to rest in your hearts as you hear these words from Jesus, words that he shares with his disciples. John 15, beginning with verse nine, Jesus says this. As the Father has loved me, 
so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. A couple things I wanna make sure you notice with me. First, look again at verse 12 and notice the word that Jesus uses here. Uh, The word rendered there in the NIV translation is the word command. You could also translate this Greek word as order or imperative or directive or, or a commission. This is not, in other words, advice. This is not, hey, here's something that I've tried out in my life. It might be beneficial for you. I think you should give it a shot. This is not a suggestion that Jesus offers. Instead, it's a command. He says, my command is this, love each other. And in in thinking about what it means to love each other, Jesus further qualifies that by saying, love each other as I have loved you. Now that may make you think about another portion of the scripture, Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Jesus says, do to others as you would have them do to you. You know what that is, the golden rule. Perhaps you learned it that way. Maybe you learned it before you even knew that it originated with Jesus, that he was the one who who introduced that idea. But notice here at the end of Jesus' life, if we think of the standard of do to others what you would have them do to you, notice how he's raising the bar, if you will. It's no longer about the expectations you have of others, it's about the way that I've loved you. And the love that I have shared with you, the way in which I have exhibited that in relationship with you, that is what it means to love one another. But also notice with me, perhaps you know the context of these these words. John chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, all of this takes place at the last meal that Jesus shares with his disciples. Uh, Still to come on this particular night is the time that Jesus spends in the garden praying. Still to come are those who who will come to the garden to arrest him. He will very soon face a hasty trial, a conviction. He will very soon be taken to his own crucifixion. He's at the very end of his life. He is there with his 12 disciples, men who he has spent years with, traveling all over, sharing about the good news, the kingdom of God. He's taught them. He's invested in them. He's shared life with them. He's at the culminating moment of his relationship with each of them for some sitting around that table. He would not see them again until after his death. And at this critical moment, This is what he wants them to hear. He doesn't say, okay, there's 10 more things you have to know before before I'm gone. Here's here's another piece of moral instruction. Here's something that you need to know in order to prepare for the next several days. Instead, at the very end, what he essentially asks them to do is to to turn and look each other in the eye and, and say to them, this is what I'm most want for you. This is my command for you. 
love each other. Love each other. Now, why, why is that important? That, that at this critical moment when everything was about to change, why is it important that this is, these are the words that Jesus shares? Well, let me, let me show you something that I hope you recognize. If you're, if you're a regular here, you, you should have heard this more than once. Uh, if you're brand new and you, you showed up at the beginning of the service, uh, uh, you heard our video announcements, you heard this phrase. It's something we share each and every week because it's our mission statement. It's who we are. It's, it's what our life as a church is all about. This is the, the guiding purpose of everything that we do. We want to make disciples of Jesus Christ who love God, love others, and serve the world. Everything is towards that end. Uh, That's what the church does. And we believe that if you have made a commitment to Jesus, this is what your life is about as well. You have been called. You have been commissioned. You have been sent forth to do this same work of making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is why we exist. And so when people come into the life of our church, uh, when they're thinking about joining our church, I talk about this as not only a statement of mission, of purpose, but it's what we do and it's how we do it. What we do is we make disciples of Jesus. That's what we do. But how does that happen? How does someone become a disciple of Jesus? How does someone grow as a disciple of Jesus? How do they mature and, uh, and flourish in this new life? Well, that's the, that's the rest of the statement. They do it through loving God, loving others, and serving the world. In other words, the how of discipleship is relationship. Relationships are what change. Uh, that's what changes lives. The laboratory where faith is discovered, the factory where faith is formed, it's in relationship. This book all by itself, just words on a page, this will not change your life. But we believe that these words, as God works in your life and reveals God's self to you in relationship with you, that's what changes your life. That's why so many, of when you think about sharing or in any way expressing your faith story, whatever that story is, maybe it's a story of what's happened in your life over the course of decades, maybe it's what's beginning to happen in your life right now, you can't tell that story without also talking about the people who have participated in that story in your life. You can't talk about the beginning of your faith without talking about your mom or your dad or your your granddad or your grandmother or an aunt or, or, or a teacher or a coach or, or, or that youth pastor or that, that coworker who, who was there for you in that moment of need. You can't even begin to talk about your faith or think about your faith without also th- thinking about those other individuals who have participated in your faith because the place where discipleship happens, it's in relationship with one another in loving God, loving others and serving the world, it's why at this critical moment, Jesus says, love each other, invest in one another, stay connected with one another, because in this life with one another is where change happens. Relationships are the most important thing in your life because they are where you both experience and learn more about fullness of life. And you may have never thought about relationships in that way before, But what I want you to hear today is this, Jesus absolutely thinks about relationships in that way for you in your life. He sees them as that important, that significant, that critical, because that is the place where lives are changed. 
And while I could say lots more about relationships, we could spend the next six weeks talking about relationships. As someone who prepares sermons on a regular basis and as someone who listens to sermons on a regular basis, I recognize that sometimes what I need from a message is not just more inspiration. I need something tangible that I can work with. I need some help in applying whatever it is a, a pastor may be sharing, applying it to my own life to chew on a little bit. And so that's what I wanna do for you today. So if you have the bulletin you received when you came in today, I wanna encourage you to grab that and find a writing utensil. If you brought a pen or a pencil with you, there, there are some uh, spread out in all of our worship spaces. If not, just draw some blood, whatever you need to do so you can write something on the back of that bulletin. I wanna give you a framework for thinking about relationships. As a new year begins, you think about tomorrow being different than today, I, I wanna give you just a way of evaluating the relationships in your life and thinking about how you may need to uh, to, uh, to uh, invest in this area of your life uh, as a new year begins. So on the back of that page, I would like you to first draw a circle, okay? So welcome to art class. Let's see if you can draw a circle. And this circle in the middle of the page, this represents you, okay? Now, this is not an illustration of the world, okay? You are not the center of the world, but you are in the middle of this exercise, okay? So that's just a disclaimer I want you all to hear at the very beginning, but that's where you are. You're in, you're in, you're in the center of this. And then what I'd like you to draw around you are, are some list of, uh, some sections of lines. So four types of relationships I wanna talk through and lines that are available for you to write the names of individuals in your life with whom you share this type of relationship. So as I go through these and I talk about these four types of relationships, you, you can go ahead and fill in the, the, the blanks of names of individuals who are al you already share a relationship with in this category of your life. So first, above you, uh, these are your mentors. These are individuals whose wisdom and leadership you trust. You not only trust their wisdom and their leadership, you know they love you. You know they love you and they love you so much that sometimes they are willing to share wisdom that may hurt because they know you need it. These are the mentors in your life, people who are pouring into your life and you trust them, you trust their direction. At the very least, this is someone who if they share something with you that's a, maybe it's hard for you to hear, you're at least gonna think about it because you know they care about you and they love you and they wouldn't share anything with you they didn't believe would be a blessing for you in your life. Now below you, because I think the word mentees is weird, uh, these are the apprentices that you have in your life. These are individuals who you are providing for them what your mentors are providing for you. You are pouring into their life and you are pouring into their life perhaps because you see something in them that they don't see in themselves. You have an understanding of what their future might be, of what their potential is that maybe they can't fully appreciate, but you see it. And maybe you see it because again, someone saw it in you. Someone was there for you. And, and so you have made a, a, an intentional decision. I wanna, I wanna help invest in this person's life. Or these are people who have just been given to you. Okay, so moms and dads, you've been given some apprentices. Sons and daughters who are growing up in, in, your, in your home, they have been given to you for, and you have responsibility for them to help see God's dreams come true in their life. And so uh, those are names that may fill those blanks, people who you are investing in. Uh, over here to the side, you have, you have your neighbors. These are the people who live literally 
close by to you. And I will uh, honestly confess that this was not a part of the original structure of this, but I was talking with Shay uh, uh, this week and he said, David, you should have neighbors up there. And I thought, oh yeah, neighbors. Those are the people that I don't typically talk to because I get home and I sit in my chair and that's what I want to do at the end of the day. And as you think about the names of your neighbors, uh, maybe uh, there's some names that come quickly to mind, but that's just because those are the neighbors who aren't quiet at night. But we're talking, you know, you can name them too, but do you know the names of the people who live next door to you? Do you, do you know the, their, their stories, their family? Over here, uh, the, this category uh, is labeled 3 a.m. friends, and this is what 3 a.m. friends means. This is the inner circle of your life. If we were looking at the life of Jesus, this would say Peter, James, and John. Jesus had 12 disciples, but there were three disciples that Jesus uh, spent more time with. He had a closer relationship with them. We don't know why Peter, James, and John fit that category, but that's clear throughout the Gospels that there was an inner circle to Jesus' life, and there should be to your life. They're called 3 a.m. friends because these are the people you can call at 3 a.m. when the world falls apart. And their response will not be, who is this? Or why are you calling me? But these are the people who, when the world falls apart in the middle of the night, these are the people who say, I'm on my way. I'll be right there. Because they have that level of commitment to you and your life and you know they are 3 a.m. friends in part because you would do the same for them. You have that level of commitment to one another. These are, these, this is the inner circle of your life, the people that are closest to you in your life. And, and, and the first part of this exercise is just walking through and, and, and considering whether or not you have names to fill these blanks. Do, do you have people in each and every one of these categories? Or can you name three mentors real quick, but there's nobody that you can list immediately in, 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 this, in this type of relationship? Do you, or maybe there's one friend over here who you can say, that's the person I would call, but I don't know who the next call would be. I don't know who else I could, I could reach out to. Do you have names to fill each of these, these blanks? And, and then three questions as you look at each relationship that I would encourage you just to spend some time reflecting on. The first is the quality of the words that are being shared in the context of each of those relationships. So think of Ephesians 4, it says this, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths or be posted on Facebook. That's actually what it says, Ephesians chapter four. <laughs> Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is profitable for building one another up. So you might just say, are the words that we are sharing with one another, is this profitable? Is this encouraging? Is this, is this helpful? Is it life-giving? Am I sharing thoughts with others? Am I hearing from others things that are helping me clarify what's most important, what life is really all about? Are they honest? Do we have that level of trust with one another that I'm able to honestly share what's, what's really going on in my life? Or do you find yourself with that really close friend when they say, how are things going? You just find yourself going, oh, I'm, it's, it's good. Everything's good. Maybe inside you really wanna share more, but you just haven't done it yet. What, uh, how are the quality of the words, the clarity of the relationship? Do people know who they are for you in your life? Do the mentors in your life, do they know that, that you see them as a mentor? And you may think, well, of course they do. I ask them questions all the time. But do they really know? Do they understand how significant that relationship is to you? How significant they are to you? That when you come to them, 
You're, you're coming to someone who you trust and you love and whose wisdom, whose wisdom you, you absolutely believe in. Have you claimed people in your life as an apprentice? Do they know why? Do they know that you believe in them? Have you shared that with them? Do they know that part of why you uh, may say what you have said in the past or, or the way in which you're living in relationship with them, do they know it's because you want nothing but the best for them? Do, do, do people, are, are they clear? Does your 3 a.m. friend know why? They're your 3 a.m. friend or are they gonna be the one who says, why are you calling me? Do they know? And, and, and then finally, the investment of time. Are, are you uh, do you have the proper access in this relationship? In other words, a mentor that doesn't have access into your life is not a mentor. They're a hero, but they're not a mentor because a mentor is someone who has access to you, who can speak into your life and, and you're giving them that space. Have you made time for that relationship to be what it is meant to be? What are the quality of the words, the clarity of the relationship, the investment of the time? And then go back real quick to this, this overall picture. Hey, here's a question that you might ask. Where is God in this? You may be thinking, well, where do I draw that line? Where does Jesus fit? Should he be over here or over here? Where, where? And, and this, is so, this, this may be the most important thing to connecting what Jesus says in John 15 to what we're talking about as we think about relationships in the new year. Jesus fits everywhere. There is no box or line on here for Jesus. Jesus fits everywhere. And here's what that means as you fill in the blanks of the names of individuals who you have this, these relationships with, and you're welcome to add more lines of, of, of individuals, but as you look at each of those names, part of what that means is this, the avenue by which God is working in the lives of all of those people is you. You. And you may think to yourself, oh no, but it's true because discipleship happens in relationship and you are one of the primary conduits, avenues by which God's grace is working in the lives of people who you are sharing your life with. So moms and dads, if you've listed the name of a son or a daughter down here, you're one of the primary ways that God is working in the life of your child. And there's other people, there's mentors, there's coaches, there's teachers. You may, you may be bringing them, bringing them to church thinking, please help somebody. I need help. I don't know what to do. But do you know that you're one of the primary conduits of God's grace working in their life? I now have a teenager. I worked with teenagers for many years and said this and I always looked at parents and they were always surprised by it. But now that I have a teenager, it's helpful to remember that even in those years where teenagers are going through that struggle with moms and dads, do you know that, that still one of the most important relationships in the life of a teenager is their mom or their dad? Though they don't display it at all in their attitude towards you, they do really care what you think and what you say and what you believe and how you see them. You're one of the primary conduits of God's grace at work in the life of each of these groups of people, even the mentors in your life. And this is the way that God is working in your life also. 
all those names and all those relationships, they are each avenues by which God is working in your life as well. And so if you, as you begin a new year, if you found yourself drifting in relationship, which number one, we all tend to do because we're human beings and we all find ourselves doing because relationships are hard, you will find yourself also naturally drifting away from God. And you may not even know it. You may think to yourself, I'm just gonna spend time with Jesus because everybody else is crazy. (laughs) And as you continue to drift from others, you find yourself moving another step away from God because relationships are one of the primary ways that God works in your life. It's where discipleship happens. And so what I wanna encourage you to do this week is, is take half an hour uh, look at this list and, and look at the names and just, just take some time and look through those relationships and think about where you are in your life right now. And think about if there's any sort of deficiency there, if there's anything you know that needs to be worked on, take the time to think about what steps do you need to take. Is forgiveness and reconciliation, is that what needs to happen in the context of one of these really, really critical relationships? Or or do you just need to send a text message or make a phone call and say, hey, we need to get lunch because you found yourself drifting from a relationship that is very vital and important to you in your life. But you are, you are one of the primary avenues that God is working in the lives of others and these names, each of them are one of the primary ways that God is working in your life as well. So we move into a new year. We want a better day. We want a better tomorrow than we have today. How does that happen? What happens in relationships. So take some time, reflect on that, pray about that. And what I wanna do as we close is I wanna pray for you and I wanna pray for your relationships. Let's pray together. Loving God, first we give you thanks that you have called us friends. That we are not simply servants but but you, Lord, have revealed yourself to us in such a way that we, we now have a relationship with you that we never imagined. It's possible. Lord, we hear the burden of this command, love each other as I have loved you. And some of us, Lord, today, right now, we feel the weight of that because we know that we haven't done that well. We know, Lord, that that calls us to a, to a standard that maybe we haven't lived up to, and we just confess that to you. Lord, for any of my brothers and sisters who may feel that today, I pray, Lord, that they will not be overburdened by the weight of guilt, Lord, but rather, Lord, they would receive your grace. And in mercy and love, they would know that you have given them the chance to start a new day, to start afresh. Give them the courage to do that, Lord. Lord, we pray for our relationships. We pray for those that are going well and those that aren't. We know they're hard. We know the great potential of them, Lord, but we also know how how painful it can be when they don't go well. And yet in all of this, the mess and the beauty of relationships, we believe that you are working. So give us the space, Lord, to take the time to, to think about where we are, where we wanna be, and to maybe make some really important choices as a new year begins and we think about investing and growing in the relationships you have blessed us with in our lives. 
Lord, for everyone here today, I pray that as they go from this place, they would go knowing the great power they have, the influence they have in all the people they share their life with. May, Lord, we use that well as we seek to serve you and to love each other as you have loved each of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.